Oh God, your saving power sustains us in the dark nights of our lives. Your holy word guides us to restore our hope, our faith, our discipleship. So now hope open our hearts and our minds to the presence of your spirit so that as your word is read and proclaimed, your light may lead us to new life with you. Amen. Well, today we continue our summer mini-series on the book of Ephesians as we read from the fourth chapter. You may remember that I had mentioned that the first three chapters focus on what God has done and God's plan. And then those last three chapters focus on how we are to respond to what God has done. So listen now for God's word for us in the fourth chapter of Ephesians starting at the 22nd verse. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self corrupt and deluded by its lust, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourselves with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So then, putting away all falsehood, let us uh, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you are marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering, and a sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Is there something you don't like about church? Wait, 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 before you say the sermon, <laughs> let me emphasize that's a rhetorical question. But let me tell you one thing I don't really like about church. You know how when there's some special service and they ask everybody at the end of the pews to move down to, to the center of the pew to seat latecomers? Well, I don't mind making room for latecomers at all. But if I came to church early to choose my seat, how about let's let the latecomers move down to the middle? Okay, now I'll admit, I'll admit, it would be fine. It would be fun to have that big crowd problem. And it, but if we do, I promise not to ask you to squish into the middle. <laughs> we don't mind making fr room for friends. We don't mind making room for family, especially children and 
Ooh, especially grandchildren on the pew or in our lives. But what about that business of making room for the devil? Well, before we get to that question, let me be clear. I don't think it's all that important myself. I don't think it's all that important whether you believe in a literal devil or, or whether you imagine him or her with a tail and a pitchfork and a grin that says, I got you, you're mine. But you know there's evil in the world. The daily paper, the nightly news, and sometimes our own everyday thoughts affirm that there's evil in the world. And I'm not just talking about when someone, <clears throat> someone offers you a second piece of her eight-layer chocolate cake <laughs> that's so good. And you say in jest, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> in your heart of hearts, in your heart of hearts, you know how much you are tempted to do what you shouldn't and to not do what you should. And you know how often you give in to that temptation. Well, there's a good reason. There's a good reason we start every worship service with a confession of our sin. And there's real good reason we immediately follow that confession with a declaration of forgiveness. Because as Paul wrote in Romans, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. Not the devil, not our sin. Nothing. Now, some versions of the Bible, especially the NRSV, titled a section of today's reading, Rules for the New Life. Well, that heading is descriptive. They are rules, but it's got two shortcomings. First, who wants to read a bunch of rules? <laughs> when this was written, people already knew that humans could not follow the first ten rules, I mean, commandments we were given. More rules? Who wants that? I'm reminded of visiting a friend who had been brought to Rex Hospital in a cardiac emergency. He was going to have heart surgery the next day. And his doctor told him he had to keep his leg in a particular position without moving it at all until his surgery the next day. He was in agony, not from heart pain, though he was fearful, but for wanting so badly to do what he knew he shouldn't. He really wanted to tell his doctor, now, I can't live by your rules, man, for those 18 hours or so before surgery. But he knew the doctor would say, you may not live if you don't. Well, the other problem with that rules heading is that it leaves off the reason for following. Paul said that his readers had been told, put away your former way of life, your old self, your corrupt and deluded by its lust. Be renewed by the spirit in your minds. Clothe yourselves with your new self. And what's so special about that new self? It's created in the likeness of God Almighty. So, how do we do this? How do we clothe ourselves with this new self? 
Well, the very first thing we're told to do is be angry, but do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. And anger is associated with that business of making room for the devil. Well, the book of James puts it this way. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Well, remember, righteousness does not have anything to do with being self-righteous and judgmental. Righteousness is having right relationship, both with God and with God's children. One way to look at the Ten Commandments is to see how all of those thou shalt and thou shalt not enable, preserve, and protect two kinds of relationships. First, communion with God. And second, community with humanity. Well, lately I've been reading a little book by the former Duke chaplain, Will Willimon. It's called Sinning Like a Christian. It's a look at the uh, seven deadly sins. Well, while we were off in the mountains, I read some of that chapter or much of that on the anger. Williman points out how, how much bad happens in the Bible as a result of anger. Well, first of all, Cain killed his brother, Abel. And then in the New Testament, after Jesus' very first sermon in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth, the people were so enraged they tried to kill him. They were going to throw him off a cliff. You can read about it in Luke 4. Or tune into any newscast or read any newspaper and you'll find far too many examples of angry people doing awful, horrible things, way out of proportion to what they were mad about. Or just look inside. You and I, well, we know we, know we are at our worst when we are most angry. Make a speech when you are angry and you will make the best speech you ever regret. Is there anyone here who can truly say we have not been damaged by or have done damage to some important relationship because of words spoken in anger? And who among us does not regret taking some action in anger and wish so badly that we could go back to that decisive moment and undo that mistake. When the next part of this chapter says, thieves are told to stop stealing. Well, yes, I know that thou shalt not steal. It's already covered in the Eighth Commandment. Think about some of what the Ten Commandments ban. Not honoring parents, stealing, lying, killing, adultery coveting. A lot of that involves behavior that does harm to, that damages the community. That is, having right relationship with the children of God. And thieves aren't just told, stop stealing the labor of others, but to labor and work honestly with their own hands. Well, they're not just told because I don't want to support you. You know, you need to enter it yourself. That's not the reason. It says so that you can have something to share with the needy so you can help others. 
And then the 29th verse says, let no evil talk come out of our mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. Years ago, there was a famous gossip columnist in the newspaper, of all people, a gossip columnist, who suggested that we answer three questions before we speak. One, is it true? You know, there's a whole lot of gossip that says, well, I'm not altogether sure, but this is what I heard. <laughs> and that's how, that's how the fake news of gossip gets spread. The second is, will it help? Will it help? And the third question is, is this the time and the place to say what I'm about to say? Well, Paul suggests is even, he suggests even tougher tests. He says, is it useful? Is it useful for building up as there is need? Will our words give grace to those who hear? Think how much trouble we could avoid if we ask ourselves before we said something, especially in anger, will this give grace? Will this be a blessing to the persons who hear it? Then Paul returns to those anger issues in the last couple of verses we read from Ephesians. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. You think he had a thesaurus there? <laughs> then he urges us, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. In a little while, we'll say the Lord's Prayer, and in that prayer, we will ask God to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. But most of us, most of us need to pray to be able to forgive others as God has forgiven us. That is when we need to be, as he says, imitators of God as beloved children and to live in love as Christ has loved us. Now, when we don't do things, we know we should. One of the first lies we tell ourselves and others is, I just don't have the time. <laughs> the truth is every one of us has 24 hours every day, 168 hours every week, 8,760 hours every year, and on and on. And yet, people who will spend hours and hours watching TV shows or movies or playing games or texting will actually say, I don't have time to go to church. I don't have the time to read the Bible. I'm just too busy to visit the sick. Each of us has only so much, we've got certain resources that are limited. No matter how rich you may be, we only have so much money. No matter how young you are, only so much energy and only so much time. We invest our time and our energy and our money in what we see as important and we make room in our lives for what we love. So let me ask you two questions. In your life, in your heart, in your soul, are you making room for the devil? And the second question, what are you going to do about that? Thanks be to God.
God's Spirit is poured out on us to make our hearts strong with love, bold with praise, so that we may proclaim Jesus right here and now and to the ends of the earth. Now may the glory of God fill you with praise, the beauty of Christ strengthen you in service, and the power of the Holy Spirit fill you with peace.